Welcome to Verbal Art, a podcast where we talk about artsy stuff in different locations. Okay, so again, uh, Verbal Art with Seniram and uh, Visual Art Friends as guests. Today we are here with uh, Tanya Silvestrini and her girlfriend, uh, Victoria Löwenheim. Löwenheim. Löwenheim, yeah. sorry. This is the first time we have a guest of a guest in this podcast, <laughs> uh, since Tanya is the one that I'm going to be interviewing, but uh, Victoria is sitting in, so we have like a, yeah, the guest of a guest situation, which is nice. And we are also very casually in your home. Yes, Wait, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, you two moved here together from Bergen in Norway, right? Yes, we moved in... January this year. So I've been here for five how months. Many months. Yeah, five five-ish months. Mm-hmm. We actually moved here on our anniversary. Mm-hmm. anniversary. Wow. Yeah, how romantic is that? <laughs> um and so for the people listening, describe your the room to them. I it's uh gay. It's very gay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we also had a Eurovision party, a very gay Eurovision party <laughs> last night. So it um, uh, yeah, carries a lot of, the vibes of uh, the post-party. A lot of decorations stage. here. Uh, yeah. There is um, like glittery streamers and uh, light chains and... Uh, and things taped from the ceiling with gaffer tape. Yeah. And, with a lot of gaffer tape. Yeah. And, and like all these rainbow colored flags and and feathered boas and things. And I was really wondering how much of of this is always here or if it's... Yeah. Here. And all the pride stuff is always here. Yeah. All the flags. It's okay. pride every day in this home. <laughs> and the lights. Uh, not this one, but... Um, yeah, but maybe we will. We have this disco lights hanging from the actual lamp. So, but that's really nice, and I don't bother going up to duct tape it again uh, for the next gathering here. So I think they will stay. Yeah. But usually we take down the decorations, but uh, they have a tendency to hang around for a couple of weeks or months after. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could have been a permanent installation. Yeah. 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 And then you have uh, like quite a bit of art on the walls is it all from your own works or is it no it's mostly my or actually the ones hanging at the wall at the moment is uh, stuff I have bought from other artists uh, or Vicky has bought also this is a photograph by yeah shall I <laughs> tell who all the artists are no it doesn't no. matter if you want yeah. to you can but yeah i mean what you were pointing now is a photograph of yourself yeah, yeah. me and vicky laying mm-hmm. on the floor tied up with some bondage rope in a very nice nicely lit blue and white uh, hued photograph yeah, yeah. so it was know. a birthday gift for to me from vicky because we did a photo shoot <laughs> for our friends queer photo project yeah. So Vicky got me one of the images from that photo shoot. Mm. And I really love collecting art from my friends. So I have a lot of art that is not yet framed and on the walls. Yeah, I also have a lot of art from friends that is yet to be hung. Yes! Mm. A 
can't. Oh. I always have a feeling that I should, because then it's nice, and then I feel like I should frame it to like um, keep it nice somehow. Yeah. But then this idea of like finding frames and do everything just becomes this whole project. Yes, yeah. it is, uh, and, and I also... would really like to have them second hand, and it's really a hassle. And yeah. ah! and also oh. that the biggest uh, art piece we have is. Um, from an artist in Helsinki, and the frame we had to you had to order it, and the frame oh. alone costs <laughs> more nice. than our piece. Oh wow! Yeah, and we were buying it together, and then I, Tanya I bought it, or I paid for well, it. Well, we we paid, <laughs> yeah, we paid for, for the, the artwork. artwork, and then Tanya was like, "Yeah, I just bought this frame, yeah. and it cost." I went to the framer and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, they said that they could do it for this price, and it's really nice museum glass. La, la, yeah. la. <laughs> but that's when it starts getting expensive. For, yes. for those listening who don't know, museum glass is this glass that, um, first of all, protects against UV mm. rays in the sunlight exposure. Uh, so it kind of protects against like the exposure of environments, but. Also, it's easier to photograph without having um, yeah, the, reflection. the reflection of the camera and it doesn't like change the lighting. So you actually look at the image you're looking at. And mm. yeah, that's why it's really expensive, but mm. also high quality. Yeah. When I did this photo course, in, or it was this printing course in uh, Kova, now in February, then they said that... Uh, or the course leader said that museum glass it elongates the life of the work, mm. but it can't. Or no, even not the photograph can last forever, so it will decay or <laughs> not decay because of the oxygen between the layer of the glass. Yes, of course. Yeah, I so mean, you like... can do so much that like all the glue and the paper yeah. you use should be acid-free and yeah, uh, yeah. everything, but you can only do this much. Yeah. But um, yeah, and something else uh, we have here is um, that next in the couch next to you two, we have a lot of um, animals. Not real animals, but a lot of animal costumes that you, Tanya, have made yourself, right? Yes. How many animals are you surrounded by right now? At the moment, three. Uh, it's one bear costume, one lynx and one cat. And uh, it used to be also a wolf and a wolverine. But we had the break-in in a, my yeah my studio collective in Bergen after I graduated. And it was just... I moved into the studio and had gotten nice and settled in. And then a week passed and we had a break-in. And... Uh, yeah, they stole all our equipment, tools, yeah, necessary stuff, even glitter glue and uh, lipsticks. And I was like, you did like, but they did take like you had some coal, didn't you? Yeah, and they yeah. took every. They took the. I had a box of coal, the charcoal for drawing. With. For drawing, and uh, they had to, taken the whole box, but they left one charcoal for me. <laughs> Bit of a heart, or, or was it just to like just that's like considerate, you know? She will come in and she will need to draw. Yeah. Yeah. But they also stole what two, one or two costumes? Two, yeah, the two, two costumes. costumes. And these people probably have not known that you have hand sewn these costumes, right? Yes. Are, are they hand sewn or on machine? Like My hand sewn. So they're hand sewn, yeah. uh, and they're full body costumes, like with 
just all this like synthetic fur and everything. So it's how long does it take you to make one? A week, uh, a week of work. A if week I work. of full time yes. sewing. Yes. So I guess I, it's not like the worst amount of work I could put into something, but it's just like ah, so much emotional, um, so much affection to these costumes that you have spent so much time creating from scratch and then they're just like taken away from you and the glimpse of an eye but also I've been like kind of resistant of object making and it's very funny that when I started making actual objects then <laughs> they got stolen mm. also it's very funny to me that there are these predator costumes and this this therefore this performance about predator lives in the Nordic countries or Norway especially where the predators are like all are on the verge of extinction so that even the representations of the animals are going missing <laughs> wow yeah because that's also the thing it's not just objects and it's not just costumes it's um you create these specifically for performances that you develop um so it's it's also characters or like stories that are stolen like it's not yeah. just a costume it's it's this whole concept you have developed and that you have physically embodied by putting on the costume and performing with it on that's becoming this character that represents yeah. something to you exactly. so it, in that way they have probably no idea what they have actually stolen from you yeah and i'm so glad that because they were all hanging on a rack in my studio but they only took two of them so i'm like that's really luck in the bad luck. That's not all of them was taken. Interesting that they stole that they chose yeah! the mm. wolf and the wolverine yeah! out of this selection. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I was roaming like the Norwegian Tori sites. <laughs> yes. The we were site like, and, like, I just look for them afterwards. To see if someone is selling them because they can be. Yeah. Are, but I, also yeah, sorry. Yeah, like handmade costumes can cost a lot. Mm. Maybe they took both of them because they thought it was a pair and that they wouldn't split them up. <laughs> no! <laughs> Maybe. This yeah. would really well to eat. No, but you know, like you don't want to split up children when they're adopted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe the two wolves yeah. that they didn't want to like yeah. take only one of them. Yeah. Yeah. They could have taken every of them. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But yeah. also like we tried so hard to find it. Like Tony was so sad and I was so sad that she was sad and mm. we tried to ask the janitor like because you have to have this card mm. and a code to get in we were like but can you see then who has been here oh, yeah. that night because yeah and if there was uh, a digital lock of yeah but he was like no no we can't do it's that not possible don't you have like yeah. control over and he's so strict but he also was retiring so he's working two hours a week or something I think, <laughs> so it's, like, I think it's like work. that they have these digital lock systems but then they're not actually allowed to hand them out to people that there are all these like um, security and privacy rules applied to that yeah. so maybe it would have had to be the police asking or something yeah. I don't know yeah yeah I did report it Oh, yeah. So, of course, it was. Uh... Someone stole my wolves. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh, this is a lot of equipment, please. They stole a lot of things from others, too. Yeah. Wasn't it? it was like. Yeah, but very random stuff. So, I think it was some people who were really high on drugs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But the funny thing is also that, uh, or the sad thing, uh, is that they. I had them. When I lived in the student housing in Bergen, 
when I had all my costumes in the attic, mm-hmm. and uh, suddenly it was this attic cleaning. So you had to be putting your name on the door that you had your stuff on in the attic, or they mm-hmm. would cut your lock, and I hadn't had missed that notice. So I didn't have my name, and they cut the lock, and I was like, fuck! Uh, Vicky, can please go and put a new lock on the thing and put a name on the... And then she... In the time it took from them to cut the lock for Vicky to get to my house and put a new lock on the storage, uh, someone had taken, specifically, the costumes. (laughs) Just the costumes. (laughs) Just the costumes from my storage. They thought they were left over. Yeah. Yes, no, we they're really like, popular. You're yeah. so in good costumes. Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> but we were like really investigating, me and my dad. Like we were like looking for clues. And then we found out that maybe somebody has taken them. So we, we like knocked on every door and asked people. And then they said, oh, maybe that's... Blah, blah, blah. And then we found this girl who had taken them. Because she thought that, oh, this can't be thrown away. So she took them for safekeeping. Oh, that's really nice. <laughs> yeah. So we were like, what? So, yeah. It was yeah, very so random. random. Or we were like, okay, uh, maybe they're actually in that. After we like roaming, putting up posters all around the student housing. Yeah. Then uh, some of us got the idea to check. Maybe it was you. Yeah. We thought about checking all the lockers yeah. in the attic. And then it was like, oh, that looks like some synthetic fur. Is it? I'm gonna just see a little piece of grey fur in the end of that. Sorry, I lost all my animals. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just like we had asked several people, and there was like this one mysterious guy who was like, oh, "Yeah, this, this is, is my locker, but I don't yeah. use it." And I was like, "Yeah, oh, are you lying? <laughs> what is then, this?" But then I was like just sitting up with the storage, like in the attic, and was like just. And then this girl came, and she she opened the locker where we had seen it, and I was like, like, are we going to come and fight or like? <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, I asked her, and then she was like, yes, yes, I just. Oh, that's kept nice. Yeah. Someone could see they were valuable. Yes. <laughs> yeah, to people listening, stealing from people is not nice. Stealing from artists is. Even more shitty. Don't do it. Yes. Uh, we don't have a lot of money, most of us. <laughs> yeah. And everything we make, we put a lot of heart and time into. And so often uh, not paid for the work. Often <laughs> not paid for the work. Often we really need the items if we have them. So yeah. uh, or is we a can... source for <laughs> yeah. potential money making. <laughs> and and for your performances, let's go back to actually talking yeah. about um, like the art of this. So. Um, when you develop a performance and sew a costume for it, where does it start with the animal, or does it start with with some theme you want to work with, and then the animal kind of has to answer to that, or do you have a process? Yeah, I think uh, I've always been working, like, or taking uh, what's it called? I don't like the word inspiration in a way, but. <laughs> Uh, I get ideas from the environments I find myself in uh, to use for some site-specific or site-responsive pieces. And when I came on came to Helsinki on exchange in 2019, then I came across Karhupoista, the bear park, 
which is a tiny little park here in Helsinki. In the middle of the city center. Yeah, <laughs> where gay men tend to meet. It's a meeting place for, for gay men, yeah. which for people who don't know, like bears are a type of gay men. It, that, that's yeah, like, um, like bearded. Yeah. Yeah. So they have a tiny little bear park here for the (laughs) men to meet. Yeah. And this inspired you. Yes. Because I just was like, the bear park? That's so funny that it's a bear park in the middle of the city center. And then it just made me think about the potential or the history of the park. Has it been a bear's hair or... When was it the last time it was a bear here? How come this tiny park is still called the bear park? Where is the bear? Who is the bear? Yeah, I mean, the bear is the official, uh, like, animal of Helsinki. What it's, like, um, what do you call it? What is on the weapon shield of Helsinki? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of this official, like, um, symbolic animal. Uh, so that is the bear here. And then there is this big sculpture of a bear in the middle of this park. So And I- a lot of bear representations on frescoes, other sculptures. There's so many bears here. So I was just like, when I came here, I thought a lot about bears. And I found the bear park. I was like, I can be the bear of the bear park. <laughs> and I was like, yay. I see that. So I started sewing the costume and went to live in the bear park as the bear in the bear park. How long day. were you there? A day. It, one whole day? Yeah. Yeah. From like, yeah, 12 to... The evening. Sometime. Wearing the bear costume. Yeah. And what did you do there? I was just hanging around, basically. Like, like a bear. Yeah. On all fours. On all and... fours. Mm. Standing up a bit. Scratching my back against <laughs> the trees. I, the... I mean, I know I have seen the video yeah. documentation and uh, also a gallery performance of the bear. But yeah. but uh, for to explain for the people. Yeah. So how did the Helsinki people react to this bear moving into the bear park? I think... Uh, Mm, they were ah I don't I really want to do it in different cities actually because I think the Helsinki people are like a bit they don't want to get involved with this odd thing happening so they were mostly like passing straight by I think they have a lot of respect for other people's space and so if you have your thing going on they're like okay sure you do you yeah I'm not gonna like invade your space and your happening and you don't know what is happening is it a Mm. commercial shoot is it a stunt what is happening if i approach this uh, oddity and but uh, people with children stopped because the children were stopping and pointing and laughing and you're like oh how did the dogs react the dogs also oh that was a bit scary and i've had two dog incidents while being in costume one with the bear in the bear park uh that was a bit less scary because uh yeah, mm, I don't know. The owners maybe had more control over the dogs. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they were passing by and they started barking at me and really like wanted to approach or engage with me as the bear. Yeah. But when I was, uh, yeah, for my bachelor project a year later, I sued a cat costume. And of course, Corona was happening. So I was forced to move away from the original idea, which was living as, or having strangers adopting me, online strangers. Who I also put out an ad on the Norwegian Tori site, looking for people to adopt me. Uh, and it was three days before Norway went into lockdown. 
Yes, but your bachelor project was supposed to be that you advertised yourself as a human cat that people could adopt and you wanted to live in people's houses as a cat. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then you For wanted to... Turn up to a week and they would document our lives like they do with their, <laughs> with their normal cats. <laughs> you have to say how many like clicks. The... Yeah, it went like semi-viral and I was approached by all sorts of radio, <laughs> TV hosts, uh, journalists. I shared like, the post yeah. because I thought it was amazing. <laughs> yes. It was like three days. It went from zero to 30,000, over yeah. 30,000 Already the, I posted it in the night, the 8th, and then the 9th I had already been contacted by journalists who was like, what is this? And I was like, what is happening? And then I checked and it was like 30,000 plus clicks and it was on all sorts of weird Insta places on Reddit. And so a very good idea for a thesis project, one would say, because usually a bachelor thesis project does not get this kind yeah. of uh, attention. It's yeah. not so normal. I know. Then it was put down, like the ad. Yeah, yeah. They were like, this is not allowed to advertise for. Can't and I was like, it's an artwork. You have a category for artwork. It's an art project. And they were like, no, we can't do this type of service on our website. So it was categorized as like selling yourself. Yeah, yeah. Some sort of prostitution, I think. <laughs> but did you get any like weird fetish uh, or kink uh, requests for it? Did people misunderstand it or... Mm, some creepy requests, mm. uh, but mostly nice requests of people who are really genuinely interested in this project. <laughs> yeah, and some people who seemed nice, but then it turned out they were really creepy. Mm. Uh, but also, it, it ended up a little bit different because then we, like the world ended and we all went into lockdown <laughs> and no one could move to each other's houses because we didn't know what was happening. Yeah. yeah so exactly. how, how did you formulate it then? Then uh, I uh, was really sad for I'm incapable of doing anything because I had mentally prepared for this performance for mm. six months and finally had yeah, made all the appointments with people I, who I would live with and suddenly it couldn't happen. So I was like, okay. But after two weeks, I figured out, okay, I can use this opportunity <laughs> to, yeah, just, yeah. So I did a live stream performance for 12 hours in my dorm in the student housing, where I had arranged with a friend of mine to come and feed me mm. in the morning and in the night. So you were a cat in your own home yeah. instead, but yes. online. Yeah, yeah, online. And... and I mean, everyone had just gone into lockdown and were not bored of the internet online situation yeah. yet. Yeah. So I assume it, it worked maybe under these conditions as well? Yeah, I guess. But I really like missed what was the essence of the work, which was this relationship between the stranger and the trust, yeah, the trust building relationship. Because people are wanting me as a stranger into their home in costume, not really knowing who I am. And I don't know them either. Mm. And I don't know what our life lives would have developed, how our relationship would have developed, and that's really what I wanted to investigate or explore in this project. And how do you feel that embodying an animal opens up these possibilities for you differently than from just being your normal verbal human self? Ah, oh, I think it's 
so liberating because people really really react or all the social norms seems to uh what's it called go <laughs> they just vanish when you put on a costume and when you put on a mask and you're not your human person you're not this person anymore you're dehumanized and then people really engage with you differently and they approach you more when i've been taking the predator costumes out in public space people are really like what is happening here and you get so much attention that you don't you get as your own person mm. own pers persona yeah so i think it's yeah well i mean i guess it's like when i meet uh, f dogs that I know yeah. live in my street and I recognize the dogs and we say hi I never like I have no idea how their humans look because I don't even look <laughs> yeah, at them yeah. I, I do not care so much about the human owners I am yeah. like, my whole focus is on the dog yes. and it's so funny when you see a cat in the street for example you're immediately like hey uh, who are mm. you you want to get uh, you want to become friends with me or you did that to a random human yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I do it to babies, but they're also not really human yet. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like pets and babies. It's mm. such an icebreaker for people. Yeah. So, the the bear you, you made here when you were on exchange here in the Art Academy in Helsinki in 2019, was it? Yeah. Was that the first animal costume you saw? Yeah. Before that, I was... What was I into back then, actually? <laughs> I was very into boredom and slow work. So I did a lot of sewing and mm. embroidery of lists and... Uh, uh, like... Uh, and I did a lot of slow video works where I would just do stuff but not in the real action just the verbalization of the actual doing like doing the laundry put on the washing machine sit next mm. to it so performing but in a very like natural way yeah and very like uh attached to the domestic life and uh commodities and mm. capitalism and then i thought a lot about work and money of course and why are, why are human the human animals so obsessed with or why is the only goal of human existing existence making money yeah you also um, the pig is not here you had you yeah. performed as a pig right yeah yeah i yeah that came from actually i found the coin that was run over by the light rail in bergen mm -hmm. so it has become completely flat and I thought that uh, the light rail is a type of train or a tram. Yeah, it's or... like a mix of a tram and a metro. Okay. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> it's called a yeah. yeah. It's very famous in Bergen. It's like a metro <laughs> without the tunnels. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's really heavy and yeah. And then I thought it was a really beautiful um, metaphor for breaking. <laughs> or destroying the a collective act of destroying the capitalistic system, but also very like <laughs> uh, it's not how it works, but just like this metaphor was so um, 
yeah, just got obsessed with this mm. metaphor, and then I thought how funny it is that we put money into this pig, uh, like a piggy bank, yeah, yeah. piggy bank, and then I thought. Oh, that's really disgusting, actually, putting things into the pig, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, I want to make an anti-capitalist pig that, instead of saving the money, is destroying all the money, and <laughs> liberating. Yeah, okay, so the piece was, I made a giant uh, piggy bank out of paper mash, and people could uh, donate money, or give the money to me that they wanted to have destroyed, and they wrote their name and address on an envelope, and the money inside, and then I was this pig that went and collected the money from the piggy bank that people had donated, and the coins I took to the light rail, and uh, had them being run over by the light rail and collecting them after, <laughs> and the bills I would put on fire and collect the ashes from it, and I saved all the destroyed money in these glass jars with the amount of money written on it, and returned them to the owners mm. as an artwork in return of their donation. How much do you have like the the total amount of money that you destroyed? Oh, that's a really good question. It was at least one person gave me 15,000 pesetas and 200 kroner, which is like 20 euros. <laughs> and some other people gave me 50 kroner, 5 euros, some gave me some coins. Person gave me one coin. It's very so symbolic very, amounts, most, yeah. mostly no huge amounts. Yeah, but it's also nice in this reference to this one coin I found. This symbolic. And then you action. created a whole collection of flat coins. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, I should have had that here. It's no, really yeah, weird. it's okay. I really have a good image of it. Yeah, yes. When you say that you made a giant paper mache piggy bank, what do you mean with giant? Like, how big was it? It was. Oh. Two meters long and one and a half meters wide. So like it's really pretty... a very big paper mache piggy bank. Yeah. <laughs> like a whole hanger. Yeah. Like wow. Where was the performance? It was in Bergen outside one of the biggest art museums. So outdoors in the public space. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's very important in my practice. This relationship to the people who don't usually approach uh, the traditional art spaces. I really mm. want to take the artworks to them and have them engaging with them. It's also nice to um, to kind of meet people with your works who are not expecting to meet art. Yes. Uh, or, um, yeah, because when people go to a gallery or a museum, they very decidedly go there with a specific mindset and like a goal about going and consuming art and being in this space, um, but also in this mind space maybe with it. But then if you do public art, you kind of like hit all the people who are in between other activities and places and mentally maybe are not right there. Or so you get to surprise people yes, in a different way. Exactly. Hmm. And the surprise and this, uh, um, I lost the words. Yeah, the surprise element is something I really enjoy mm. or also just look for when I'm out in public space. Potential histories or connections or... And you get so much care from people when you are performing and people are... When I was the pig, 
and running out in the road, collecting coins. People were like, you need to watch out. Hey, be careful. <laughs> and this unexpected situations, that was the word I was looking for. The unexpected and the undirected is something that really drives drives me. Yeah, how much do you like script or prepare yourself for a performance? Do you know what you're going to do the whole time or is everything improvised? Do you just put on the costume and become this character? Or do you kind of like plan it out more like a play? I, I, I leave a lot up to the unexpected. Mm. So also for yourself yeah. you want some kind of like um, unknown or surprise element potentially? Yes! Yes! Uh, Definitely. So do you consider these animals that you make, these characters, to be some sort of alter egos? Or are they more just representations of, of something else? Or like, how much are they personified as specific characters? Or, or how much are they just like generalized animalistic representations? They are pretty much uh, representations of animals. Because I was thinking a lot when I was in Karabusta, which is, yeah, the city is so, such a controlled, like the most controlled environment that mm. we have. Of course, we have control over other parts, but also more. But also, it's like, the cool thing about the city is that it's controlled, but also wild and this potential for unexpectedness because there's so much happening so much traffic, so many potential meetings. And no one really owns it. Yeah. In a city like Helsinki, it's very few people who grew up here. Like, very few people are actual locals. Most people moved here from somewhere else. So no one really has this ownership of the public space here as they would have in a smaller, uh, more rural place where everyone grew up through generations yeah. within a small area, maybe. Yeah. Which brings me to the other, or my last project. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. It's good to have stepping stones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I can also mention, since we're already talking about the animals mm -hmm. before moving on, that uh, it's this attempt of bringing the wilderness, which I consider art to be like a wild thing, mm. uh, to this controlled environment and like doing something about this very um, controlled situations are habitual mm. places where people pass from one place to the other without really stopping because it's just your way to work or from school. So it's all, it's a representation of the animals, which I want to like, why, what uh, lives, what life forms do we want close to us and what life forms do we appreciate and what do we want to have away, keep away from us and why can't this coexist in a way or how could it coexist? Mm. Uh, specifically these types of animals or in a larger symbolic sense? A larger symbolic mm. sense, I guess. But also because the, these animals that I have been portraying, at least for now, is on the verge of extinction because, or is actively um, targeted as something we don't want because they are dangerous and they are, mm. uh, yeah, they take the sheep and it's very, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, something like the wolf is really like a mythological animal in the way that it has become this uh, classic image in in storytelling and, yeah. and symbolism within within stories. Yeah, yeah. And it's always portrayed as something, a bad character, which but, we really like. But your wolf was not a bad them. character. No, <laughs> my representations are really nice. But we also, it's like... They are nice because we need them in the ecosystem mm. and because our humans really like to make themselves useful. <laughs> so by uh, removing this life form that has this uh, role in the ecosystem, we have to replace it by, for example, hun hunting, uh, hunting our mm. hunters so that we keep other populations down and it's just nonsense that they can't live. And have <laughs> lives because, yeah, because of us. What? Yeah, because of us. Yeah, because yeah. Of us. So the only ones of your animals that is a domesticated animal is the cat. Yeah. Uh, does that one have a name then? No, not yet. Because that was the idea that uh, my owners would give me a name. So you would change the name every time you move to a new owner. Yeah. Hmm. And also. Uh, yeah, it started with this predator, first the bear, and then it developed into this, the big four predator project with the wolflings and uh, bear and uh, wolverine. And then, of course, when I thought about the animals we don't want close to us, then I thought about, or the predators we don't mm. want close to us. I thought about the predators we do want close to us that are really appreciated, like the cat and the mm. dog. But the cat's really special to me because I have grown up with cats and feel really connected to them so it was more natural for me and also because they're more wild in a sense in their behavior more unpredictable more freedom for me to embody that character or they're less human dependent or yeah. there's a different kind of uh, interaction yes yeah. that too so that's where the cat idea hmm. came did you used to do performances before for all these things, like was performing in the public space or to strangers, and was that normal for you, or did it all arise with with these animals? I've always had a performative uh, starting point, or the performativity of the work has always been like a <laughs> the ground, the basis of the work. But it was more like the. Uh, I was more focused on the things that appeared from the performance than the actual performance itself. So I think, yeah, I started discovering public space when I was in preparatory art school. And then it was just so liberating to learn that you can take place in public space uh, and use it to your advantage or just like... <laughs> You don't have to be so controlled all the time as and have this facade and you can just let go. And of you it. can actually use the public space because it's also yours. Yes. I have I've had a lot of thoughts recently about this, how um basically my roommate asked me, um when you go for a walk, like how do you decide the route? And I was <laughs> like, mm, yeah, I think I just walk towards the light or or where I feel like walking. But I it's we 
we very quickly realized that we both have this like inhibition towards just going for a walk that's not so easy for us like i yeah i have to like um listen to something in my ears for instance or we find it easier to like make up a purpose for the walk so it's like oh i anyway have to do some grocery shopping or i can just walk this way and then i know there is a nice secondhand shop that i like to look in or something but then ah, it becomes this whole weirdness with that you only go for a walk to then go inside a shop and spend time indoors where you then spend money either because you have decided to go grocery shopping or because you've been browsing so long time indoors in a secondhand store now that you feel like you need to buy something and then it becomes this whole capitalist leisure yeah. time which is really like <laughs> fucking with my head in a way yeah. uh, but this whole idea like I, I live, literally live inside a park more or less here in Helsinki and it's so rare that I just go down and around the corner and go into the park and sit there just to sit still in the park yeah. in the sun I just it would be easy but I just don't really do it so I have practiced this like recently to do it a lot more um then I listen to podcasts or something and it makes it a little bit easier but it's so weird no that the public space somehow is this it's only like a, a place that we move through between our destinations. Yeah. It's hard to like place yourself in it and actually like relax with just existing in it on your own. With other people is different. I can meet other people outside, but to just put yourself there alone instead of being at your home or wherever you're supposed to be, it's like there's this odd, distorted sense in me about like how to do that somehow. Yeah. And it's really weird. I don't know if it's because we are living in Nordic countries where the outdoors is like not really easy to exist in for most of the year. Like it's a really short gap in the summer where it's actually possible to spend durational time outside. Mm. Um, maybe it's easier if you've grown up in a warm country full of sun and where it's always pleasant to be outdoors. Um, but yeah, but it's very weird. Like the public space, when you then actually sit or walk slowly you realize that most other people are very much on their way somewhere. Mm. Like it, it's really clear how people are walking if they are um, the people just being there or if they're like just passing through. Mm. People yeah. move in a different way. Their attention is really different in the space. Their attention towards the other people in the space is different. Um, so, yeah, I, maybe that is an, another good point for using the public space for art and performance because it already feels super performative like yeah. this whole talk with the roommate went into these areas of like do you greet people in the street when you walk like when how much do you look each other in the eye when you pass each other how do you recognize each other's presence do you give a nod do you give a smile do you actually say hello who do you choose to say hello to? Because if someone is in a hurry and not looking at you, it's a little also hey. aggressive to like be, hey! <laughs> or, um, I do that all the time. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but then again, if you're the only two people in a street clearly like walking towards each other in an otherwise like empty space, it would also be odd to not recognize each other's presence because you are sharing this space in the, this time. Yeah. So yes. it, it, somehow you are already... If you are spending a little bit of your focus being aware of yourself in the place you're in, you're already in this performative state 
where you are considering your own actions and reactions mm. and the potential audience or or other performers in this arena. So it's just in this minuscule level that most people don't register is happening inside them, I guess. Or maybe they don't have these fancy art words to put on it. But I guess we are all experiencing it, that it's happening, that people get stressed and they don't know if they should look someone in the eye or not when passing them. <laughs> or, or you accidentally do this little dance, yeah. even though there's so much yeah. space. <laughs> or, yeah. oh, that's so fun. I love this moment. <laughs> or you can be really cool with dark sunglasses and you can avoid everything because you have chosen to be anonymous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that was uh, fun to do. Like when, when you have to wear a mask, like you could do it outside and then you have sunglasses and you're totally anonymous. Yes, I kept saying hi to people in the street where my school is because I thought I knew them, but I have no idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I really do not know if, if I knew them. Yeah. yeah. And if you say hello, no one knows if it was you who said hello. Because no, also a lot of people said hello <laughs> yeah. to me that yeah. I do not know if I know. So like it, was, it became this whole social yeah, yeah. scheme. <laughs> and I mean, in Helsinki, people don't often say hello to each other in the street. Like, it's not so yeah. common. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's why also it's been so liberating to work under the topic of the animal because mm. it's this uh, mission of letting go of all the expectations of how to behave correctly. Because, yeah. yeah. Because they're animals, they don't have the same normative yes, ideas so, about exactly. what you are supposed to. Yeah. Or they have other ideas, but like that we don't necessarily grasp fully. Mm. Does it change a lot for you that they are non-verbal? Like, how does that affect your performance or your, like, character when you're in them? It's a very good question, because it is really important for me, this silence. And it has caused some trouble <laughs> also. I was doing the bear performance in this climate uh, festival in Bergen. And <laughs> then I was just roaming the area of the festival as the bear, as I did in the bear park. And then suddenly I was approached by this group of children, maybe around five years old, and they were really like wanting to interact with me. And then I didn't respond. So they started to get physical with me. Mm. And they started to like push me and hit me and kick me to get some response. And I was like, I felt so harassed that I, I've never had that feeling before, but I was terrifying. So I was like, what the hell can I do? I'm in this costume. I can't really get out of it. I'm performing right now. <laughs> How can I avoid this situation? So what happened? What did you do? Did you jump out of character? I ran into, or ran on all fours into the tent where it was, which was the backstage. <laughs> so you stayed in character? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like... What the fuck can I do? Wow. <laughs> These children like, keep pushing me. And they kept going for so long. I was like, I felt so helpless. <laughs> and I was like, is this how it feels to be a cat on the street, for example? Or another creature? When you're being approached and picked up and... Yeah, not having anything to say about it. Wow. Yeah, so it can be uh, scary not to be able to speak. But uh, I think it, this mystery of not speaking is so important mm. to me. And also because I want to get away from the verbal interaction, more of the body language or 
just coexisting. Mm. But I mean, it's not only uh, children. I think I, I I used to work when I was a teenager. I worked on this cruise ship. Um, where I had to wear this um, parrot costume. <laughs> uh, and uh, Full and body face covering. F yeah, yeah, I could barely see anything. It yeah. was one of these really big ones like they wear in yeah. Disney World or something, you know? These big mm. costumes where you, you kind of look out of this like mesh yeah. a hole in, in the beak or like in the mouth. <laughs> so you can only see like a meter ahead of you on yeah. the floor. You can't really see what is actually happening. You are very restrained. You are very handicapped. You move really slowly. You basically just walk around and wave and and like give hugs to people and stuff. But there are all these drunk people in these cruise ships. Like it was horrible. Oh, they would like pull your tail and uh, be really yeah annoying. Uh, one time, not with me wearing it, but another girl who had worn it one time with this drunk man had just punched her directly in the face. I mean, luckily. You can't feel that much with this big head on, but still very aggressive. Yeah. Uh, so then for a while there had to be security guard with the parrot all the <laughs> nice. time. And like, yeah, wow. Oh. So I really understand how you've been feeling because when you're in the character and there we really were not allowed to speak or anything. Um, if it had been my own performance and something would have happened, I would have maybe said something. But but I mean, yeah, to, this, to, to, to be in this like... Um, debilitating lack of agency in yeah. a situation that you can't really yeah you can't stand up for yourself mm. and you're reliant on someone else realizing what is happening around you and helping you mm. or like just being like yeah less capable yeah when you were when you got the like um you were staying uh, as a cat uh for a week, you made the uh, the deal with. I uh, I was like so scared for Tanya because she couldn't talk and she wouldn't have her phone or anything. So I was like, how do we know that she's been treated well? And like, so I I actually planned on like tenting outside of their <laughs> home and like have a gun in my binocular <laughs> just to keep her safe, like. <laughs> But luckily it didn't happen. Or... <laughs> uh, but for how long had you planned back then as a cat to live in strangers' homes? Like up to a week in each home, but like how long was the total period? Uh, it was uh, three people because okay. it was my bachelor project and it was in the... Yeah, it started in the spring, so I had limited time to mm. do the performance, get documentation, make the installation, present the work. Write a thesis about it. Yeah, write a thesis, yeah. yeah. So I had really like... A time limit so all in all it would be a person want to have me for two days one other want to have me for five and another for a week okay so and then you had planned to camp outside of these strangers <laughs> yeah. home in Bergen and like yeah. check up on Tanya yes <laughs> wow that's really nice yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah but you're also a performer right yes but I do drag is that common to be a woman doing drag queen? Um, not that common, but there are there are people. Mm -hmm. I I'm part of a house, and we we are two women who do drag uh, as a drag queen. Mm. So yeah, but there are a lot of uh, like um, uh, um 
Prejudice. Prejudice. Yes. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, but you're a woman. Why do you dress up as a woman? And I'm like, it's not, I don't dress up as a woman. No, I mean, it's that is not <laughs> easy. It's not the same. It's way easier to dress up as a woman than to dress up as a drag queen, yes. I would yeah. imagine. It's very different. But also, do you have one character then? Do you have like... Uh, yeah. is well, I, yes, um, I have like my drag persona, which is... Uh, I'm offended. That's my name. <laughs> I don't know if you get it. But I also do, or I've done like some um, um, impersonation, impersonations. Mm -hmm. So I've done like Marilyn Monroe, mm. and I sing live, and I. Saying happy birthday, Mr. President. Or, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but I do it like as Marilyn, but as I'm offended as Marilyn. So. Like as a drag doing Marilyn? Yes, mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, can you support each other in this, like that you're both performers and understand each other's things, or, um, or is it just very different what you do, each of you? It has been a learning process to, or I didn't know anything about drag until I met Vicky, and Vicky didn't know so much about this other <laughs> like visual art performance. Yeah, I don't know if any of us really know that much about what you are doing with <laughs> yeah. animals. Yeah, but I think yeah. I've only seen, seen so many performances. I had seen one performance before. art uh, performance before, and that uh, I remember just looking at it and it was this woman who like was lighting a lot of matches like until the box was empty and then she would like balance on the wall it was like a like a little thing and it was so slow and like mm. and I remember just sitting there like I don't get this were you like, born no I was just like I didn't weren't know, like weren't you bored oh maybe I was <laughs> But then I got to know you and like a whole world just opened up and now I really enjoy performance art and every kind of art. Yeah, because uh, our art forms are really different on that yeah. like ground level of you being entered or being on stage for entertainment. entertainment yes. Often, at least. Yeah. And very expressive, I would imagine. Yeah. Like, very flamboyant yeah. presence. And very, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But also, like, I, I want to, like... I want to mix up, like, the performance art and the drag part mm. uh, a bit more. Um, and, like, like my name, I want to shock people. Like, so I've simulated master on stage with a banana and with a sex toy and I cut off my hair during one act on stage uh, or my drag um, sisters and brothers did that um, and that like takes me more into the like art part of of the drag that I do why? because it becomes more conceptual or yeah, well, like, when people think about drag, they think about lip-syncing mm. and just wigs and flamboyant dresses or, or drag kings uh, being really masculine and 
and I want to shake that up a bit. So I don't all the time wear dresses mm. and wigs while doing drag. Um, and uh, I don't need to do a lip sync. I can do other stuff. Like I could do performance art in drag, for example. Mm. Like, yeah. But I'm still like trying to find out where who I am <laughs> in that sense <laughs> so yeah. yeah yeah but that really stands in contrast a lot of this um, world and stage um, these stage personas and in stark contrast to to these silent anonymous animal representations who kind of just try to like quietly coexist <laughs> with you in the park or for a very long time and not yeah so not anything exciting happening. Quite <laughs> yeah. the opposite. Yeah. But we also we 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 have this um, band and a performance group together. Mm. Part of. Um, okay, so you also collaborate mm. on some things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was like at first I was okay, so uh I me and my friend Vilda Jensen, we uh, live together in Bergen and we're really just like, oh, we just want to be disgusting, disgustingly gross people in a way and just embody this grossness <laughs> and get away from the perfect, beautiful facade. And so, and we felt like really a need for a place to express that grossness of the human existence so we started this performance group called performance duo called Trash Bohemian Lesbian Couple uh, where we were in a very troublesome love relationship anti-capitalist uh, personas uh, trashing the meat industry and, uh, or the animal agriculture industry and then uh, me and Vicky during COVID time started or was like starting a band together or started writing nonsensical songs about very sexual stuff and me and Vilda's performance was also very sexual, <laughs> sexually loaded. So we decided to merge this when uh, Vilda came to visit us. So then we became Trash Bohemian B-Pan Triple because we d- figured out we're not lesbians after all and we actually... Want to have the total freedom of uh, pleasure and <laughs> we married on stage. Yeah, so wow, we got married on stage and it went from one like actual married or performance married. Performance, yeah, married. okay. So, <laughs> oh, but it was yeah. like a ceremony. Yeah, wow. Yeah. But then we like and that's more concert. So that's like stage, but also it's like concert performance. So we have songs. And we tie the songs together with our improvised uh, bullshit talk show <laughs> about yeah. sexuality yeah. and gender and so we like capitalism. You talked a little bit, and then I did a song, and then we talk, and then song, and then talk, and then song, and then. So this whole variety yeah. show, kind of, or what, <laughs> what is it in English? This like a sideshow variety. What is it called when you have all these different yeah. things happening? I don't know. It was yeah. almost like maybe a musical. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. wow. like 
everything leads to like yeah, yeah. what we talk about leads to the next song and we talk oh, about wow. it, like in and so we have like songs that Tonya's written which is one of them is called Camel Toe and then we like talk about that and there's one song who, which is called Puli mm. and then we sing about and then in the end of that song we got married and then it all like fits together yeah. and then in the end of that performance we did like a a concert with instruments so I played the bucket the drums <laughs> and you played the ukulele and Vilde played the electrical guitar but was this also in a public space or where did no, it... this was uh, on a stage Mm. Yeah, as a part of or on the floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, but, but, very but like a real concert stage. setting. Yes. Yeah. With yeah. a normal audience who knew they were going to a concert performance. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and it was we really wanted to because Wilde and I use public space as yeah. our yeah an important part of our practices uh, and interpersonal connections. So we wanted to use the audience and Vicky also uses the audience a lot in her drag and we wanted to move around the <laughs> the room and engage people in this pride parade and having the huge wedding party where everyone is like dancing and we're moving around <laughs> and ending up in different places but it wasn't possible because of the limitations of the stage uh, yeah. and we had microphones that couldn't move past the speakers yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. so everything was like Okay, I guess we're just on this stage then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so that was a bit anticlimactic. Uh. Yeah, but we also did uh, a performance um, and drag show, uh, you and me, um, yeah. in the opening of queer um, uh, culture year uh, in Bergen mm. for a lot of like politicians and power people. And we did the uh, homophobia therapy, which mm. you have written. Homophobia therapy. Yeah. So therapy so, against homophobia? Yes. yes. And you were curing the homophobia? Yes. yes. <laughs> and it's a seven, eight minutes long song. Yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then so then we sang that together, or Tonya sang, and I sang some of it because she knows the words. And then I did like a drag show afterwards with a little bit of help of Tonya. So like we mix it. Uh, Mix it together. Yeah. And so for you who then move in between these worlds of um, very different types of performance, do you feel like it's um, the same part of you that like is flexible enough to move between these different presences of like performance? Or is it different kind of stage personas that like one is for this kind of flamboyant big stage presence and the other one is like is it different sides of yourself or is it more like the same side that gets to experience yeah. different things uh, I think it's definitely the desire for wilderness and chaos that drives both of them mm. both the slow and the stage based performances but the stage based is also a place where I can uh, use words and mm. create like meaning through words uh to a con in contrast to the my other my nonverbal performances mm. and also a place where I can live out my rock star dream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. You're really good at writing songs. Yeah. Thank you. But it's also this, uh, since the animal costumes, or a person in animal costumes, create a lot of questions about sex. Mm. Is it fetish? Is it uh, pet play? Is it... Yeah, yeah because it's not a furry thing for no, you, right? No, not at all. And I was really like, the first... Uh, I was in Copenhagen doing this 12-hour performance. And I was uh, gathering, I asked all the audience, or went out with the survey board, and asked, what is your favorite, or are you a cat person or a dog person? Since it's very, like, hilarious. Very generic question. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what kind of person are you really? Yeah, yeah. So then I was like, just... Um, yeah, I did the survey, and then I got the result every half hour of the... Uh, those 12 hours and the other half hour I would go into character as the most popular pets of the gallery in that time and then afterwards my professor told me that Batani your performance was really sexual you know and I felt so then I felt like really deep shame because I had interacted with children and for me it was not sexual at all and I was really shocked that I... But was it just misunderstood? Or was it... Apparently, no, my professor just saw it as a very sexual performance mm. because the human interpreting is this... Interpreting an animal is... Yeah, very often seen as something I sexual mean, for some reason. <laughs> I guess for a lot of people wearing costumes and like performing is just... Mm, it's only allowed in these contained spaces of either like yeah performance stage presence art or then something like sex it's mm. um most people do not dress up as if they were in costume very often or, yeah. or but then perform. i didn't use costumes either oh. uh, i was like i just put my hair up in buns to look similar to like uh cat or dog ears and just behave as the animal but wearing clothes and mm. everything you had a a color. Yeah, a color. Yeah, maybe that's... So maybe the color. And then yeah. also... Uh, These animal this, props were... And you had this... Uh, this uh, top on that was... Uh, it like... had a bit of... It was not like a polo shirt. It was more like <laughs> a relaxed top. So when I was in all four, then... Of so course, I would have a cleavage. So it was of... revealing. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, but you were shameful, not because you were ashamed about like working with sex as a topic, because that is very relaxed to you, but because it was not your intention, or yeah, because I, for this performance, I didn't consider anything sexual to be a part of it, but that's also why I need this other. Uh, area of my praxis and for my personal life also to express all these frustrations about the body's um, perception and or how we perceive bodies and why it's like okay I have a cleavage does that make me sexual why is nudity sexual can we like how can we stretch this <laughs> mm, yeah when is uh, when is it like intentionally sexual and and unintentionally or yeah so now I feel that I'm trying to... On Wednesday I'm going to do a spanking yeah. performance. <laughs> so I'm like... First I was so... Yeah. I felt so dirty and... Ashamed. And then I was like... You know what? This is what it's like to have a femme presenting body. 
that you will be sexualized and it's very common to experience so I would just like embrace that and use it as a tool. Maybe you can explain to the listeners who are not like hip on the beat with the lingo what a femme presenting body means? Yeah, uh, like a, what can I say, a person that uh, appears in their style or presentation as uh, feminine uh, uh, or as a, uh, what can I say? Yeah. Presents in a feminine way. Mm. Yeah, so you what, seem what... like more woman-like, but of course it doesn't have to be like yeah. this. But we often link femininity to womanhood. Mm. Yeah, it's a heteronormative to world. A yeah. heteronormative society as a woman. Mm. So, so what is the spanking performance going to be? Uh, I'm going to make a little tent. Uh, that's floating in the space and I will have my upper body inside it uh, and have my ass out and on my ass I will have I think I will have a panty with some with an embroidery that says spank me and some birch uh, bra braids branches <laughs> branches thank you birch braids <laughs> yeah because so, the theme of the exhibition is sauna and sweating and nudity But that is so like traditionally non-sexual here. Yeah. So yeah, we in Finland in Finland sauna culture is a very big thing. Uh, there are five million people here and two and a half million saunas. So you can imagine how <laughs> ingrained a part of the culture it is. Basically, everyone has a sauna in their home or in their building. Um, so in the old days, uh, people would like beat each other with these like um, bundles of thin birch branches because it like um creates blood circulation and like uh, stimulates the skin and cleans your dead skin cells and your cellulite stimulation all this stuff i guess it's an old part of the washing uh ceremony or not a mm. ceremony but like the whole tradition of like washing before you had showers and yeah. stuff and for health for health yeah, yeah. and um in finland If saunas are not really a sexual thing it's like a families go to sauna together it's a quite vulnerable space you can talk to strangers there in a public sauna uh, you can talk to your family but like men and women go mixed quite often not always but often and it's not sexual mm. and naked not and wearing swimsuits yeah yeah no we are naked so mm. yeah so that is interesting that you yeah. choose to take it to a sexual place with this yeah But also because, for example, in Norway, where sauna culture is not that... It's, it's not big anymore. Surprisingly not, yes. because it's also very cold. I yes. know. I read somewhere that it was because of the Protestantizing... Oh, the, the of Puritanism. The, yes, mm. uh, of the country in the 1700s. That they yeah, tore down the saunas and health spaces because oh, really? it was place for witchery and uh, and also you can't normally you can't go naked in the sauna so yeah you have Norway's to wear bathing suits really very capitalist and here it's very yeah. democratic yeah. you can't even like have a, a a panties on and be topless as a woman but the men can do it it's like oh yeah it's so irritating yeah and especially with this whipping 
that's just like, oh, they go naked, which is a huge taboo in Norway. And they are whipping each other. Oh, eating huge, spanking each other with birch branches. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing. Same as with but animal costumes. So your skin, like, like it, you, your yeah. skin gets so soft from this birch. Yes, and it smells so good. Yes, it's season for it now. Now it's there. Yeah, it has to be the fresh ones. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, the same thing as the animal costumes and the nudity of the Finnish sauna and the spanking or the yeah, for health benefits. It's just like being sexualized. Mm, in. Michael Trapp was going to say. <laughs> so it's just, yeah, a play with the, yeah, what can I say? But I mean, here then, even though you feel like you are sexualized in the Norwegian sauna culture for being asked to, to dress up as a woman and not like um, reveal your body and men can be uncovered, but doing this performance here in Finland, isn't that you sexualizing it then? Because in the Finnish culture, you are allowed to be naked in the public sauna as a woman, and like people will be very respectful of that. Yeah. So yeah, I have thought about it. Mm. If it is uh, uh, not really appropriate to do. Because I often feel like it's foreigners here, like uh, people who moved here who know sauna culture as, as a, something different or maybe not know it at all. And it's them who tend to sexualize it here, e either thinking that you should like f can flirt with each other or that like that it's weird to be naked or and the Finns are just so relaxed with it that it's really it's this safe space yes. for the population, a safe public space. Yeah, yeah. And I've really been loving the this liberating way of being together without having to spend money or and just to meet strangers completely naked. And different to not even knowing how to place yourself in the park without feeling awkward. Uh, and then like going naked into a public sauna is somehow easier because there is a relaxed codex about it mm. just very special no that it's yeah. this um yeah this safe public space where because everyone are literally naked and exposed then it's so vulnerable and so like respectful yeah yeah i think it's very beautiful part of the finnish culture yes me yes. too yeah. and i really feel that that is lacking in other places mm. yeah. or in norway Yes. But I hope I don't offend anyone <laughs> by doing it. Because I mainly want to put myself in this sexualized position. Mm. And I hope that that won't cause any... Okay, maybe this can be very problematic. Maybe you can do it in another way. Maybe it doesn't have to be in a sauna. Maybe it can just be spanking. Mm. Or... You can just walk around, maybe. Mm. People can yeah. do it if they want to. It's not like ass out. It's like a. It's almost like a glory hole. <laughs> You're in there. They can see you. They don't want to see your ass. Yeah. It's like, it is very sexual. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it's intentionally very yeah. sexual. <laughs> yeah. But I don't want to destroy the safe. 
I did. I didn't mean to destroy your performance. My, my, it's happened. Uh, I just wanted to. I, I have been thinking: is okay. it, can it potentially be problematic to do it? Hmm. But yeah, I really wanted to be spanked at least, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to have uh, and in the tent. I would write a report on the spanking. While it's happening? Yes. So it'd be like, yeah, yeah, it was nice, but it could be harder and they didn't really hit Are you gonna like, uh, you're gonna evaluate the yeah. spanking? Yeah, so it's like a spanking critique. Okay, you're gonna give it stars? Nine. No, I will just give them critique. Okay. Yeah. And you're gonna tell them? You're gonna like shout? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or I will do it at the end, it will go on for three hours and then at nine o'clock, or from six to nine and then at nine o'clock I will read the whole report of the spanking. But it can also be like, uh, is it really? Yes, it gives sexual connotations, right? Mm. But like spanking as spanking in the Finnish sauna culture is not sexual. Oh. Will people treat it as something sexual? I don't know if it's an ass spanking thing in Finnish culture, but it's at least something I have heard yeah, yeah, talking it's... about how grandmother has this like uh, tradition of like uh, beating them with the branches in the right way and singing the old songs and stuff like this. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Yes. Yeah. And this is in free art space on Wednesday, right? Yeah. yeah. That So that is the place I interviewed Arvid and Juliana earlier in this podcast series. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm planning to come. So, yeah, yeah I will be looking forward to seeing and experiencing how it, yeah. it ends up now after leaving you with this uh, confusion. Sorry about that. No, but, uh, <laughs> I'm very glad uh, you're saying, being honest in your thinking about it mm. yeah yeah definitely because that's the most valuable thing you have the honest critique or the honest feedback on your ideas and yeah. this is just a very spontaneous idea that they came up with that they really want to be spanked and it's the sauna exhibition and yeah i want to play with this sexual non-sexual I mean, maybe it's good in the way that it like you are raising the question about it, that making people talk about why it's important to not sexualize the sound. Yeah, yeah, mm. exactly. Art is very much about how you flip it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Contemporary art, it's all about arguments. <laughs> yes, so you can always justify the most... Uh, yeah, what can I say? Well, not about justifying, I would say, but more about like anything can be valid or reasonable mm, depending on like the intention and the way it's carried out. But the same action can mean so many different things depending on like why or how or where you do it or mm. yeah. So yeah. a lot of our work consists of this really like reflecting. And, yes. Yeah. Okay, I think we're running late with the time, so let's <laughs> end it at that. I think that was a very thorough performance conversation. Yeah! <laughs> uh, do any of you have something you want to add or um, something important that I have not asked? Or No. No? 
I don't think so, but I'm also a very slow thinker, so maybe in a few weeks I'll come back and be like, oh, I forgot to say this. Oh, I, it's the same for me. I have a lot of, like, I always realize questions later that I yeah. could have asked, but it's like that with everyone. Yeah. You could have talked about more, you could have gone so many directions, but um, it's just about an hour each time, so it's yeah. also limited what we can go into. Yes. But nice, do you have like a website, any of you, or Instagram or anything you want to mention that ah! people can check? Oh my god, you can go and check me out on www.taniasilustrini.com or Instagram, uh, tusenspårvoktor, which I think none of you will be able to find. Uh, no, but I will, I will write the links wherever this is posted, I will write the links um, in writing also, because I do not expect people to to be able to spell all these names from different countries and stuff. Mm. We also have um, Trashy Bohemian by Pen Thropo Instagram. Yes. yes. And I have a drag queen, uh, my drag Instagram, uh, which is just, I'm offended. Yeah, you will send me all of these links and then whenever I finally publish these things, like I will put them there. Mm. But uh, thank you so much for inviting me for dinner and to yeah. visit all your pets here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Blessed really nice. in our gay cave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Um, thank you for wanting to talk to me. And Vicky. Sure. <laughs> and the first time we had the podcast in a home. So that's also hey! a, yeah, something new. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, bye. I don't, we don't have a specific <laughs> way we end it. So it's... Boom, 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 boom. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it.